And that day could be today. I got three people believe that Jesus is coming back again. That day could be today. And Jesus could step out on the clouds. Gabriel could sound the trumpet and take us home for eternity. But the question that remains is, are you ready to meet the Lord should he come today? And the truth of the matter is there are so many people across this world today that are not ready to meet the Lord. And I believe that's why he tarries his coming. Because there's folks that aren't yet ready to meet the Lord. We ought to be about our Father's business sharing the good news with somebody that needs to know that Jesus loves them, died for them, has a plan for them, is coming back again to take them to heaven. I want you to turn with me this morning in your Bibles to the book of Psalms, chapter number 90, please, if you don't mind. Psalms, chapter 90. This is a prayer that Moses pens. So oftentimes we read all of the Psalms and we think that David is solely responsible for every, every Psalm that was written. That's not the case. Moses here writes this, this prayer. More than likely it's, it's written at a time when after the children of Israel had failed to obey the Lord and go in and possess the promised land, which should have taken just a matter of days, took them 40 years to get to. And they said that Moses penned this prayer after that failure of those people to go in. The final three verses are very interesting to me. They've been ringing in my heart and in my ears the last several days, and I want to just read verses 10, 11, and 12. Here's what the Bible says. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength, Really, if God were to bless us and favor us, we may get 80 years on this earth. Yet their boast is only about labor and sorrow. What Moses is saying there is that life is so full of labor, it's so full of sorrow, it's so full of pain. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. Verse 11, who knows the power of your anger for as the fear of you, so is your wrath. Watch verse 12 here. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. What Moses is really saying there is we need to really understand how brief and how precious that life really is. Because in a moment of time, life can be taken away from us. And if we're not careful, we will fail to take advantage of those precious moments that life gives to us. I want to take a few moments this morning and I want to preach on this thought, the dash to the finish. The dash to the finish. Father, would you help me today? 
as I attempt to articulate to these people God exactly what it is that you've put in my heart to share with them today God somehow would you overlook the frailness of my humanity would you overlook my flaws and my faults and my failures and would you one more time use me today to communicate the truth of your word to these people God today if there's people that are standing here in this auditorium God that are not sure about eternity and where they would spend eternity should you come today or they draw their last breath before this service is over before this day is over God would you quicken their hearts and by the power of the Holy Spirit draw them today to be in a relationship with you and experience the wonderful marvelous grace of Jesus Christ Father I love you and I thank you for what you're going to say through this simple word today in Jesus name the church said amen God bless you you can be seated thank you Pastor Tony I don't I don't want you as I begin to, to preach this and begin to share with you, I don't, I, I don't want you to think that I'm having some kind of midlife crisis. I don't want you to think that I'm a little off in the head or that I'm depressed or in this deep, dark hole waiting to die. But I do. I do somehow want to communicate with you what the Lord's laid on my heart. I've been thinking a lot lately about life, about the brevity of life, about how precious that life is. And if I read this verse of Scripture correctly, it says to us that it's possible that God could give us 70 years on this earth, and if by reason of strength and by his favor and by his grace, it's possible that we could live for 80 years. Now, that's not a guarantee because people die long before 70 and some live way beyond 70. But just assuming this morning for, for me that if God were to grant me 80 years of life on this earth, in a matter of about 12 days, I'm going to spend my final year in the 30s. That's a nice way and an easy way for me to kind of digest the fact that I'm getting older. And at this point next year, I will be just a few days away from hitting the big 4-0. Boy, that's hard to say. I don't know why you're laughing. Some of you are a lot older than I am. But if God, by His grace, and if He tarries His coming, and personally, if we're here another 40 years, God help all of us. But if somehow I were to live to be 80 years old, that means that in just a year, I am going to have lived the first half of my life. And I have thought recently that I want to do something with the second half of my life. I want to be involved in something the final 40 years of my life, if God gives me 40 more years, 
41, by the way, because I haven't hit 40 yet. I want to be involved in something that really makes a difference. Not only in people's lives, but in this, in this world. Here's the truth. Life is not guaranteed to us. All of us have an appointment with death. And I don't want you to leave here today, gosh, Pastor, you're so morbid, it seems so gloomy and doomy. Hang tight and we'll get to some encouraging stuff in a moment. Listen, there, there, are, there are two things in life that you can be guaranteed of. Number one, you can be guaranteed that April the 15th will come every year and you are going to pay taxes. And number two, you can be guaranteed of the fact that if Jesus tarries his coming, death is certain. Hebrews 9 and 27 tells us it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, judgment. James said that life is like a vapor. It's like a mist. It's, it's here today and it is gone tomorrow. I say this quite often. I've said it many times before. That at, at some point, if the Lord doesn't come back first, all of us are going to die. You probably didn't come today anticipating hearing, hearing a sermon on death. Well, you're going to get one, so hold tight. They're going to put you in a box. They're going to roll you to the front of a church somewhere. Some pastor like myself is going to get up and hopefully say a bunch of good things about you. When we're done, we're going to put you in a hearse. We're going to take that hearse to a cemetery. They're going to put it into a ground they're going to push dirt over it. And when that's all done, we're going to get back in our cars, come back to the church and eat chicken and potato salad in your honor. It's going to happen. Death is certain. And I don't know if there's anything that speaks of death and echoes eternity quite like a cemetery does. I have preached Tons of funerals in 20 years of ministry. I remember one time my, my father was out of town. I had just, I think I was 19. I wasn't even married yet. Had, had not even hardly preached a lot. He's out of town. The church that he pastored in the state in Bassett, Virginia. Somebody lost their, their, their father or mother. I don't even remember. But he calls me from out of town and says, Listen, I can't get back. I need you to preach this funeral. I said, you better get in your car and you better get back. And he couldn't. So at 19 years old, I stood up and feebly made my way through a funeral message. That was the first of many that I have preached through the years. And when we go to that cemetery, it gives us such a feeling of finality. And I find myself doing this oftentimes i will maybe take the long way to the car and i will walk through that cemetery and i'll just stop and i will look at at tombstones and grave markers and i'll see if i can find someone that lived to be like triple digits i'll be counting there's one 101 102 and then i'll find some that somebody had to bury a stillborn or a newborn just days old 
And I walk through that cemetery and I walk through that graveyard. Nothing really echoes eternity like a cemetery does. As I walk through that cemetery looking at grave markers and tombstones, it dawns on me that every tombstone tells a story. Do you realize that all of life is reduced to two dates in a dash? The day we were born, the day we die, and the dash in the middle. And the dash in the middle is the sum total of how we have lived our lives. Here's the question I'd like to pose to us today. What are we doing with the dash? How are we living life? I can't help but wonder when I walk through a graveyard or through a cemetery. And I think about those people that, whose remains are, are, are laying there under that ground. What was it that they lived for? What did they love? What were they passionate about? What were their biggest mistakes? What were their greatest regrets? I would venture to say that every single one of us will go to our grave with mistakes that we have made. Every single one of us will go to our graves with regrets of something that we did do or that we didn't do and time that we wished we could get back. You know, there's, there's some things in life you don't have control over. You'd like to, but you don't. Do I have anybody, you're not going to admit this, but I'll admit it, that, that's a control freak? That's why I don't like to fly. I don't like to fly because I'm not, I'm not at the controls. I mean, you can't even see into the cockpit for the love of God. I've flown many times, and I'm telling you, if I did Hail Marys, I'd do them the whole way up and the whole way down. It's really bad when you get into some turbulence and the plane starts jerking and moving and you think at that moment it's over. I'm going to see Jesus at any moment. And I don't like to fly because I can't see what's going on. I don't know what those pilots have been doing. I mean, listen, we lived in a town and I don't know if this happens here but in Rocky Mount, when couples would come to church or drive, the women drove everywhere. I don't have, I don't have a problem with that. But I, I don't let her drive. Not because she can't. She's much more capable than me. I have a long list of driving offenses that we don't need to talk about today. Some are even recent before I moved here, but recent. Not because she's not careful, a whole lot more careful than me. She tells me I have issues when I drive. She says, listen, you, you're an angry driver. I am. 
And we'll be going on a long trip. We drive to Florida about every summer with her parents. We go on vacation. And she'll say about halfway through, do you want me to drive? No, no, I'm good. I can handle it. You know why? Because I like to be at the wheel. I like to be in control. But there's some things in life you don't have control over. You, have, you had no control over the day you were born. You had no control over who your parents are. Some of you wish you did. You had no control over the, the time period and the culture that you were born into. You have no control over the dates on your tombstone. And for the most part, you have no control over the day that you will leave this earth. But there is one thing that you do have complete and total control over. You determine how you will use the dash. Can I come down here and talk to you a little bit? This is not one of those Pentecostal corn sucking, spit into the third row kind of messages. I want to talk to you a little bit out of my heart this morning. You determine how you will use the dash. You do have control over how you live your life. And you cannot blame anybody else for the choices that you make and the way that you live your life, though it is easy at times for us to do that. And we'll say, I did this because of this. Or I am this way because of so and so. And while that may hold some truth, the, the final determination of how you live life, it rests with you and only you. Here's the question I want to pose to you this morning. How are you using the dash? Are you living the dash? What I mean by that is, are you, do, you, do you know why you were created? Do you, do you know your purpose in life? And are you doing everything in your power to fulfill the purpose for God creating you? Or are you dashing to live, hurriedly running and racing through life, exerting and expending energy on things that have no value and no return and offer no return to you? Are you living the dash or are you dashing to live? Because so much of what we invest our Time and our energy and our effort in, it has no value, no eternal or spiritual value to us. We will major on the minor, you've heard, and we'll minor on the major, and we exert so much effort and energy worrying about things that have no consequence to us. So how are you going to live the dash? How are you going to use the dash? Let me tell you just a few things this morning. Number one, if your dash to the finish is going to count, number one, we have to live 
passionately. We have to live passionately. Listen, God did not create us. God did not design us just to sit passively by as life races in front of our eyes wondering why we aren't more fulfilled. If I were to take a poll this morning and ask how many of you feel, feel unfulfilled, there would be hands that would go up everywhere this morning. But God did not create us just to stand and watch life go by wondering why, why am I not more fulfilled? Listen, we have to find something that is worth living for. And it is not found in a career. It is not found in money. It's not even found in relationships. But it's what the writer in Acts 17 and 28 said. In him we live and we move and we have our being. Listen, if we're going to live passionately, let's live passionately for the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything in him. Listen, we live and we move and our existence is simply found in the Lord. The psalmist David understood this when he penned in Psalm 63 those first eight verses. He said, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek thee. He said, my soul longeth for thee. My flesh thirsteth for thee. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. He said, to see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in thy sanctuary because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus while I live, I will bless thee. I will lift up my hand in thy name my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips when I remember thee upon my bed and I meditate upon thee in the night watches because thou hast been my help therefore in the shadow of your wings will I rejoice David would go on and say in Psalm 42 as the deer panteth after the water brook so my soul longs after you if the dash to the finish is really going to count. We've got to start living passionately, not for money and not for fame and not for fortune and not to climb the ladder of career success, but to live sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ because nothing else will satisfy our dry and thirsty soul. It's the dash to the finish is going to count. We have to live passionately. We have to love completely. Why is it that we live right now like our relationships don't really matter? Why do we wait until somebody dies to send flowers? Why? Why don't we live right this moment like our relationships matter more than anything else? Now, I know I just said, you said, Pastor, you know, you, 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 can't, you, you can't really live passionately. It's not found in relationships. It's not found in relationships with other people because it has to be Christ first. 
But relationships with other people, especially those we love, they matter. They matter. And here's the truth for me. In four years, my 14-year-old will be 18. Should he choose to go to college somewhere far away, he, in four years, he will be leaving our house. I've got four years left with him. He's entering the first year of high school in a few months. JC's entering the first year of middle school. It seems like yesterday. And people told me, Pastor, it'll fly by. Listen, when you're um, 25, is that how old I was when we had Jensen? Do my math and take off my shoes so I can use my toes. When you're 25 and you're looking in the face of a newborn and people say, now listen, it's going to fly by. You don't believe that. But then when you step back and go, oh my gosh, I've got four years left with him at home. Now, of course, he has said, and he, I, I, I probably believe this. Wherever you guys go, I'm just going to go to school close by wherever you are and stay at home. I said, that's up to you. But you ain't mooching off me. If you don't contribute to anything, you will contribute to the grocery bill because if you eat like you do now at 14, you're killing me. And he said, I'm just, wherever you guys are, I'm going to go to school close by. I don't, he, he probably will do that. I'm fine with that. Now, JC, that's another story. I mean, she'll break out singing, I believe I can fly and spread her wings and she'll be gone. Call us, please. But why don't we live like relationships matter the most right now? And loving completely means loving unconditionally. Loving completely means loving unconditionally because that's how God loves us. According to Romans 5 and 8, that he demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. That is unconditional love. You won't find that anywhere else. And loving completely also means forgiving completely. Paul told us to be kind and tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave us. Do you know how Christ forgave us? Do you know what He forgave us of? Everything. God gave Jesus Christ as payment for our sin. And Paul said that we should be kind and tender-hearted Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave us. He's saying to us, you have to follow the example of Jesus Christ and forgive like he forgave. That means you can't hold a grudge. Because the only person that weighs down is you. I remember one time I'm telling some stories. I need to hurry. Jensen and JC, I tell a lot of stories about my kids because they give me a lot of preaching material. And they had been, I don't know, fussing or fighting one day. And you know, we, we believe in spanking, which now they're a little bit old, so Jensen could probably spank me. So when you get too big, I quit spanking. Which you got to find different things. And JC, we started spanking. 
But that poor child would have gotten beat every day, and it just made her, I'm telling you, don't you tell any of these stories, it made her meaner. <laughs> now, if you, tell, if you tell anything I ever preach about as it relates to my kids, I'm going to deny it and ask God to forgive me later for telling a story. I'm kidding. But we, if we had spanked her, we'd have been beating her every day. I'm not kidding. She's got a wheel of steel. She's like her mother. <laughs> if you believe that, I'll tell you another one, James. Thanks. I mean, she is strong-willed. She is a control freak. It is her way. I mean, she is, we butt heads because we're so much alike. So we decided to do some different punishments. And one day, I think I had Jensen write some sentences. And at the end of those sentences, I mean, we were trying to be creative. I mean, we got, he had to write Ephesians 4, 29, be kind and tenderhearted. He was, he was young. So at the end of every sentence, he wrote, be kind and tenderhearted. So I get the paper, and at the end, it says, be kind and renderhearted. But he never forgot that scripture. And listen, the Lord calls us to be kind and tenderhearted, forgiving like he forgave. Peter was trying to flex his spiritual muscles one day and said to Jesus, Lord, how often should I forgive my brother if he sins against me? Seven times? Because law only required six times. And Peter said, I'll flex my muscles here, Lord. How about, I'll go, I'll go above and beyond. I'll do one more time, Lord. He said, no, Peter. How about 70 times 70 a day? Now, if you're stopping to calculate that, by the way, it's 490. You've completely missed the point. There should be an infinite number of times that we forgive when people hurt us and wound us and offend us. Let me stop long enough to tell you this. You have to forgive, but you do not have to open yourself up and always stay connected and be best friends with people that have hurt you and wounded you and taken advantage of you. But you do have to forgive them. You do have to try to move on. And while we're talking about this, let me help somebody understand forgiving does not mean forgetting. I hate when people say you need to forgive and forget. You'll never forgive when someone hurts you. You'll never forgive when someone wounds you. But when you grow up spiritually, it won't be a matter of forgetting but you'll take on a different attitude when you remember what they've done to you it won't be that you're holding a grudge you'll say God they meant it for evil but you meant it for good I'm gonna run my dash to the finish and I'm going to love completely if the dash to the finish is gonna count we have to learn humbly we have to learn humbly the longer we live listen the longer we live, the more we should learn. The longer you live, the more we should learn. And much of what we learn in life comes through the pain and the problems of life. I don't usually learn a whole lot when I'm on the mountaintop. Brother said, I don't usually learn a whole lot when the favor of God is just in abundance because it's just, it's a wonderful time and we're just, we're not really thinking about anything, just the goodness of God. But I learn most of my lessons in life through pain and problems. And the storms of life should teach us. The storms of life should cause us to get to a level of maturity because at some point, we have to move beyond the pain and the problems and the storms of life. You can't stop in the place of hurt and pain and regret. You have to learn and you have to move on. So often we don't learn the lessons. 
And when we don't learn the lessons, guess what happens? The teacher continues to administer the test until we learn the lesson. There are times that God will allow us to go through some things because he's trying to teach us something. And if you don't get it right, listen, if you can't handle kindergarten, if you can't handle reading, writing, arithmetic, you can't go to the first grade. There's times that the teacher will look and say, no, you've not learned what I needed you to learn. I need to give you another test so you'll be all that I want you to be. And if our dash to the finish is going to count, we've got to learn, listen, humbly. I can't, I, Pastor Tony, come help me. Come, come help me land this thing. I'm going to give you one last point. I struggle with people that call me for advice. And sometimes younger pastors will call younger ministers. And they're the ones that have called me. And I tell them something and they say, I know. And I want to say, then why'd you call me for, stupid? If you know so much, why did you call me? You know? I mean, they come for advice. And I want to know how to do this and do this and do this. And you tell them and they go, well, yeah, I know. Well, save my time and yours, buddy. Why'd you call me? But when we learn humbly, we understand that the Lord's trying to teach us something. And we don't say to the Lord, yeah, I know. We say, Lord, yes, I receive what you're trying to teach me. I receive, and I'm getting the lessons that you're trying to show me. dash to the finish it's going to count we've got to live passionately we've got to love completely, we've got to learn humbly here's the last one we have to leave boldly listen, what do you want to be remembered for? because I told you at some point if the Lord Terry's is coming a funeral home, a funeral director is going to going to park your casket right here. And the pastor's going to get up. He's going to say a bunch of stuff. What do you want to be remembered for? Here's one. What do you want to leave and pass down to your children? You know what I want to leave? I want to leave a legacy. I want to leave a legacy for my children something to you and I'm closing. Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 through 9. Moses says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Watch this. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. You shall teach them diligently to your children. What kind of legacy do you want to leave for those that are going to be left behind when you go? Pastor, are you planning on dying sometime? That's not my plan. 
But I just kept going over Psalm 90. I just keep seeing it in devotions and things I'm reading. Teach us to number our days. I want to leave boldly. When I'm done, here's what leaving boldly looks like for me. You ready? Leaving boldly for me looks like this. The legacy I want to leave. I want people to say that he was devoted fully and completely to Jesus Christ. That's the first thing I want people to say. Leaving boldly for me. The legacy I leave for my kids and my family is that he was devoted and sold out, not to a ministry, not to a church, but a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And he lived the life that he preached. Second, second thing leaving boldly looks like for me is that people will say he was dedicated to his wife and his children. And he took care of them spiritually and physically and emotionally. And he was dedicated as a husband and dedicated as a father. Thirdly, leaving boldly for me looks like this. I want people to say that he dared to believe. The legacy I want to leave for my kids is that he lived a life of faith and he wasn't afraid to take a risk. He wasn't afraid to step out in faith. He wasn't afraid to trust God with everything. There have been moments and times in our 20 years of ministry that there have been opportunities and offers put on the table that would have required us to take a leap of faith and a risk. A few years back, we had an offer come across the table that was a, a base pay cut of $20,000 a year. That's a lot of money. And we let our kids in on that, and they knew about that. And they said, just say, you, you can't do that, Dad. How are we going to live? And it gave me a chance to say, God's going to take care of us. And we had reasoned together and said in our heart, if this is what the Lord wants, we'll do it, we'll be okay. And we started crunching numbers and making plans and getting a budget ready. I mean, that's how, that's how full of faith we were. And that didn't work out, and that door closed, and God knew that needed to happen. But that moment gave me a chance to look at my kids and say to them, Dad, how, we, how, we, how can we do that? $20,000 a year. But that's the legacy I want to leave, that I dared to believe. I had enough faith to take a risk and say, God, I trust you with everything. Here's the last thing. We're going to leave boldly. Devoted to Christ, dedicated to our families. Daring to believe. And finally, when I die, I want to die empty. You know what I mean by that? I want to die empty. I want to know that I have given every possible bit of effort and an energy and poured myself into every person that God has brought across my path. I want to die empty knowing that I have given my very best to every assignment that God has given me. I don't want to 
go to my grave with anything left in me. Because I want to empty everything out to every person and every task God brings across my path. And here's the question this morning. What will your dash to the finish look like? I want you to stand with me, please, this morning. Bow your heads for just a brief moment. I want you to close your eyes. Heads bowed, eyes closed all over this building in a moment. I want you to have a personal, private moment with you and God. If you're here this morning in this building, 